section twenty two of norway sweden denmark iceland greenland and the search for the poles this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume eight norway sweden denmark iceland greenland and the search for the poles edited by eva march tappan section twenty two finn blood nineteenth century by jonas lye the following story is included both because it illustrates the superstitious fear and dislike of the finns and because it was written by one of norway's best-known novelists it is said that to this day sailors are unwilling to sail under a finn captain the editor in svartfjord north of senja dwelt a lad called eilert his neighbors were seafaring finns and among their children was a pale little girl remarkable for her long black hair and her large eyes they dwelt behind the crag on the other side of the promontory and fished for a livelihood as also did eilert's parents wherefore there was no particular good will between the families for the nearest fishing-ground was but a small one and each would have liked to row there alone nevertheless though his parents did not like it at all and even forbade it eilert used to sneak regularly down to the finns there they had always strange tales to tell and he heard wondrous things about the recesses of the mountains where the original home of the finns was and where in the olden time dwelt the finn kings who were masters among the magicians there too he heard tell of all that was beneath the sea where the mermen and the draug held sway the latter are gloomy evil powers and many a time his blood stood still in his veins as he sat and listened they told him that the draug usually showed himself on the strand in the moonlight on those spots which were covered with sea-rack that he had a bunch of seaweed instead of a head but shaped so peculiarly that whoever came across him absolutely could not help gazing into his pale and horrible face they themselves had seen him many a time and once they had driven him thwart by thwart out of the boat where he had sat one morning and turned the oars upside down when eilert hastened homewards in the darkness round the headland along the strand over heaps of seaweed he dared scarcely look around him and many a time the sweat absolutely streamed from his forehead in proportion as hostility increased among the old people they had a good deal of fault to find with one another and eilert heard no end of evil things spoken about the finns at home now it was this and now it was that they did not even row like honest folk for after the finnish fashion they took high and swift strokes as if they were womenkind and they all talked together and made a noise while they rowed instead of being silent in the boat but what impressed eilert most of all was the fact that in the finn woman's family they practised sorcery and idolatry or so folk said he also heard of something beyond all question and that was the shame of having finn blood in one's veins which also was the reason why the finns were not as good as other honest folk so that the magistrates gave them their own distinct burial-ground in the churchyard and their own separate finn pens in church eilert had seen this with his own eyes in the church at burg all this made him very angry for he could not help liking the finn folks down yonder and especially little zillah they two were always together she knew such a lot about the mermen henceforth his conscience always plagued him when he played with her and whenever she stared at him with her large black eyes while she told him tales he used to begin to feel a little bit afraid 
for at such times he reflected that she and her people belonged to the accursed and that was why they knew so much about such things but on the other hand the thought of it made him so bitterly angry especially on her account she too was frequently taken aback by his odd behaviour towards her which she could not understand at all and then as was her wont she would begin laughing at and teasing him by making him run after her while she went and hid herself one day he found her sitting on a boulder by the seashore she had in her lap an eider duck which had been shot and could only have died quite recently for it was still warm and she wept bitterly over it it was she sobbed the same bird which made its nest every year beneath the shelter of their outhouse she knew it quite well and she showed him a red-coloured feather in its white breast it had been struck dead by a single shot and only a single red drop had come out of it it had tried to reach his nest but had died on its way on the strand she wept as if her heart would break and dried her face with her hair in impetuous fin fashion eilert laughed at her as boys will but he overdid it and was very pale the whole time he dared not tell her that that very day he had taken a random shot with his father's gun from behind the headland at a bird a long way off which was swimming ashore one autumn eilert's father was downright desperate day after day on the fishing grounds his lines caught next to nothing while he was forced to look on and see the fin pull up one rich catch after another he was sure too that he had noticed malicious gestures over in the finn's boat after that his whole house nourished a double bitterness against them and when they talked it over in the evening it was agreed as a thing beyond all question that finnish sorcery had something to do with it against this there was only one remedy and that was to rub corpse mould on the lines but one must beware of doing so lest one should thereby offend the dead and expose oneself to their vengeance while the sea-folk would gain power over one at the same time eilert bothered his head a good deal over all this it almost seemed to him as if he had had a share in the deed because he was on such a good footing with the finn folks on the following sunday both he and the finn folks were at burg church and he secretly abstracted a handful of mould from one of the finn graves and put it in his pocket the same evening when they came home he strewed the mould over his father's lines unobserved and oddly enough the very next time his father cast his lines as many fish were caught as in the good old times but after this eilert's anxiety became indescribable he was especially cautious while they were working of an evening round the fireside and it was dark in the distant corners of the room he sat there with a piece of steel in his pocket to beg forgiveness of the dead as the only helpful means against the consequences of such deeds as his otherwise one will be dragged off at night by an invisible hand to the churchyard though one were lashed fast to the bed by a ship's hawser when eilert on the following preaching sunday went to church he took very good care to go to the grave and beg forgiveness of the dead as eilert grew older he got to understand that the finn folks must after all be pretty much the same sort of people as his own folks at home but on the other hand another thought was now uppermost in his mind the thought namely that the finns must be of an inferior stock with a taint of disgrace about them nevertheless he could not very well do without zillah's society and they were very much together as before especially at the time of their confirmation but when eilert became a man and mixed more with the people of the parish he began to fancy that this old companionship lowered him somewhat in the eyes of his neighbours there was nobody who did not believe as a matter of course that there was something shameful about finn blood and he therefore always tried to avoid her in company 
the girl understood it all well enough for latterly she took care to keep out of his way nevertheless one day she came as had been her wont from childhood down to their house and begged for leave to go in their boat when they rowed to church next day there were lots of strangers present from the village and so eilert lest folk should think that he and she were engaged answered mockingly so that every one could hear him that church cleansing was perhaps a very good thing for finnish sorcery but she must find someone else to ferry her across after that she never spoke to him at all but eilert was anything but happy in consequence now it happened one winter that eilert was out all alone fishing for a greenland shark a shark suddenly bit the boat was small and the fish was very big but eilert would not give in and the end of the business was that his boat capsized all night long he lay on the top of it in the mist and a cruel sea as now he sat there fainting for a drowsiness and dimly conscious that the end was not far off and that sooner it came the better he suddenly saw a man in seaman's clothes sitting astride the other end of the boat's bottom and glaring savagely at him with a pair of dull reddish eyes he was so heavy that the boat's bottom began to sink down at the end where he sat then he suddenly vanished but it seemed to eilert as if the sea-fog lifted a bit the sea had all at once grown quite calm at least there was now only a gentle swell and right in front of him lay a little low grey island towards which the boat was slowly drifting the skerry was wet as if the sea had only recently been flowing over it and on it he saw a pale girl with such lovely eyes she wore a green kirtle and round her body a broad silver girdle with figures upon it such as finns use her bodice was of tar-brown skin and beneath her stay laces which seemed to be a green sea-grass was a foam-white chemise like the feathery breast of a sea-bird when the boat came drifting on to the island she came down to him and said as if she knew him quite well so you come at last eilert i've been waiting for you so long it seemed to eilert as if an icy cold shudder ran through his body when he took the hand which helped him ashore but it was only for the moment and he forgot it instantly in the midst of the island there was an opening with a brazen flight of steps leading down to a splendid cabin whilst he stood there thinking things over a bit he saw two dogfish swimming close by they were at least twelve to fourteen ells long as they descended the dogfish sank down too each on one side of the brazen steps oddly enough it looked as if the island was transparent when the girl perceived that he was frightened she told him that they were only two of her father's bodyguard and shortly afterwards they disappeared she then said that she wanted to take him to her father who was waiting for them she added that if he did not find the old gentleman precisely as handsome as he might expect he had nevertheless no need to be frightened nor was he to be astonished too much at what he saw he now perceived that he was under water but for all that there was no sign of moisture he was on a white sandy bottom covered with chalk white red blue and silvery bright shells he saw meadows of sea-grass mountains thick with woods of bushy seaweed and sea-rack and the fishes darted about on every side just as the birds swam about the rocks that sea-fowl haunt as they two were thus walking along together she explained many things to him high up he saw something which looked like a black cloud with a white lining and beneath it moved backwards and forwards a shape resembling one of the dogfish what do you see there is a vessel said she there's nasty weather up there now and beneath the boat goes he who was sitting along with you on the bottom of the boat just now if it is not wrecked it will belong to us and then you will not be able to speak to father to-day as she said this there was a wild rapacious gleam in her eyes but it was gone again immediately 
and in point of fact it was no easy matter to make out the meaning of her eyes as a rule they were unfathomably dark with the lustre of a night below through which the sea-fire sparkles but occasionally when she laughed they took a bright sea-green glitter as when the sun shines deep down into the sea now and again they passed by a boat or a vessel half buried in the sand out and in of the cabin doors and windows of which fishes swam to and fro close by the wrecks wandered human shapes which seemed to consist of nothing but blue smoke his conductress explained to him that these were the spirits of drowned men who had not had christian burial one must always beware of them for dead ones of this sort are malignant they always know when one of their own race is about to be wrecked and at such times they howl the death warning of the drowg through the wintry night then they went farther on their way right across a deep dark valley in the rocky walls above him he saw a row of four-cornered white doors from which a sort of glimmer as from the northern lights shot downwards through the darkness this valley stretched in a north-eastwardly direction right under denmark she said and inside the white doors dwelt the old thin kings who had perished on the sea then she went and opened the nearest of these doors here down in the salt ocean was the last of the kings who had capsized in the very breeze that he himself had conjured forth but could not afterwards quell there on a block of stone sat a wrinkled yellow fin with running eyes and a polished dark red crown his large head rocked backwards and forwards on his withered neck as if it were in the swirl of an ocean current beside him on the same block sat a still more shrivelled and yellow little woman who also had a crown on and her garments were covered with all sorts of coloured stones she was stirring up a brew with a stick if she only had fire beneath it the girl told eilert she and her husband would very soon have dominion again over the salt sea for the thing she was stirring about was magic stuff in the middle of a plain which opened right before them at a turn of the road stood a few houses together like a little town and a little farther on eilert saw a church turned upside down looking with its long pointed tower as if it were mirrored in the water the girl explained to him that her father dwelt in these houses and the church was one of the seven that stood in his realm which extended all over helgoland and finmark no service was held in them yet but it would be held when the drowned bishop who sat outside in a brown study could only hit upon the name of the lord that was to be served and then all the draugs should go to church the bishop she said had been sitting and pondering the matter over these eight hundred years so he would no doubt very soon get to the bottom of it a hundred years ago the bishop had advised them to send up one of the draugs to the church to find out all about it but every time the word he wanted was mentioned he could not catch the sound of it in the mountain kunin king olaf had hung a church bell of pure gold and it is guarded by the first priest who ever came to nordland who stands there in a white chasuble on the day the priest rings the bell kunin will become a big stone church to which all nordland both above and below the sea will resort but time flies and therefore all who come down here below are asked by the bishop if they can tell him that name at this islet felt very queer indeed and he felt queerer still when he began reflecting and found to his horror that he also had forgotten that name while he stood there in thought the girl looked at him anxiously it was almost as if she wanted to help him to find it and could not so it is that the strange sights and scenes continued like the weird happenings of a nightmare after a long long time he fancied that the long dark hair of a girl was flung about him like a curtain and she had eyes that he remembered well then she smiled at him and said it is i eilert 
with that he awoke and saw that the sunbeams were running over the wet skerry and the mermaid was still sitting by his side but presently the whole thing changed before his eyes it was the sun shining through the window-panes on a bed in the finn's hut and by his side sat the finn girl supporting his back for they thought he was about to die he had lain there delirious for six weeks ever since the finn had rescued him after capsizing and this was his first moment of consciousness after that it seemed to him that he had never heard anything so absurd and presumptuous as the twaddle that would fix a stigma of shame or contempt on thin blood and the same spring he and the thin girl zilla were betrothed then in the autumn they were married there were thins in the bridal procession and perhaps many said a little more about that than they need have done but every one at the wedding agreed that the fiddler who was also a thin was the best fiddler in the whole parish and the bride the prettiest girl End of section twenty two this recording is in the public domain